0: This is Ken, your RV navigator.
1: And Martha, the co-pilot. And we're talking today on our very last day here in Nirvana. Nirvana. In in a luxurious, overpriced RV resort in Sarasota where we've been spending the last month. (laughs) And
0: And, it has to be really high-priced for us to say that it's overpriced.
1: And we've been nervously keeping an eye on the weather reports to the north because we're going to be heading north from here. And it looks like a warm front is about to hit here as well as a lot of the places where you are, dear listeners. and and it'll all work out just fine.
0: Now, we know you're not crying real crocodile tears for us because it's been cold in the panhandle of Florida, where our destination is. But for us, who've been enjoying the very fine weather here in Florida, the 80-degree temperatures, uh, 50s and 60s sounds pretty cold. But fortunately, the whole United States is going to be warming up, and the panhandle of Florida will be in great shape by the time we get there in a few days. Hopefully. We fire Up the RV after almost a month being sitting here on the lot, and we will be once again on the road. And the next time you hear from us, we will be in New Orleans because we will be at the RV rally.
1: We're not talking till then.
0: I well, (laughs) we're talking that. That's only two weeks. I'm
1: getting used (laughs) to just
0: talking all the time. I see. So should we make this a daily podcast, and you can talk all the time? They want updates. But, you know, I haven't really heard from our listeners about them wanting more than two a month.
1: Because they don't have time to listen to all this. So if you want
0: more than two a a month, just tell us and we will make as many as you absolutely want. We aim to please. We aim to please. So listeners, please send us emails, contact us, send us uh, postcards from your travel, send us pictures, write us reviews on iTunes. And all of that, most of that can be done at uh, navigator at rvnavigator.com is our email. And of course, the website is rvnavigator.com. We always like to hear from you. And now, on
1: with the news. Where we're staying, uh, they give out weekly um, activity sheets and um, entertainment news so that we can stay on top of all the things that there are to see and do here. And there was a little item that I thought really encapsulated our experience here and really tickled our fancy, so we wanted to share that with you. It goes as follows. After Christmas, a teacher asked her young pupils how they spent their holiday (laughs) away from school. One third grader wrote the following. We always used to spend the holidays with Grandma and grandpa. They used to live in a big brick house, but grandpa got retarded and they moved to Arizona. Now they live in a big tin box and have rocks painted green to look like grass. They ride around on their bicycles and wear name tags because they don't know who they are anymore. They go to a building called a rec center. That's W-R-E-C-K but they must have got it fixed because it's all okay now. They do exercises there, but they don't do them very well. There's a swimming pool, too, and they all jump down in it with hats on. At their gate, there is a dollhouse with a little old man sitting in it. He watches all day so nobody can escape. Sometimes they sneak out and go cruising in their golf carts. (laughs) Nobody there cooks They just eat out (laughs) And and they eat the same thing Every night Early birds (laughs) Some of the people Can't get past the man in the dollhouse The ones who do get out Bring food back (laughs) to the rec center For potluck My grandma says that Grandpa worked hard all his life to earn his retardment and says I should work hard so I can be retarded someday too. (laughs) When I earn my retirement, I want to be the man in the dollhouse. Then I will let people out so they can visit their grandchildren.
0: Oh, if that's a true story, that's got to be... This pretty
1: well encapsulates <laughs> our life for the last month.
0: We are retarded. We've been retarded now for quite a while.
1: But we have escaped from the dollhouse periodically.
0: <laughs> Although here at this place, the bubble is, is not to be uh, left. You've got to stay in it. Oh, I don't know if I can continue after that. That was just too funny. <laughs> <laughs> if you'd like a copy of that, we'll be happy to send it to you. Um, and you might want to show it to your grandkids, because or to your kids. Who knows? They may really think that that's true. Now on with some serious technology. Something I've been talking about or waiting to talk about for quite a while is the new TV signal meter from Wineguard. Uh, I don't know about you, but I have a tough time with these new digital signals f- picking out where the uh, the antennas are so I can point my antenna to the best signal. Because now, we,
1: you used to just put it up and kind yeah. of wiggle it back and forth, and you would f- point it toward the city that we were closest yeah. to, and the TV signal would come in just fine. What yeah. happened?
0: The old TVs worked as a very good signal meter because the signal got uh, fuzzy and uh, snowy as you turned away from the signal as the signal became weaker. But with digital TVs, the signal is either on or off, and that would seem okay. But one of the things that I have found with ours, and I assume with most people's, is that it is extremely sensitive to direction and that ears like ours has clicks as you, as you rotate it. And I can rotate it one click and get half a dozen stations, and I can rotate it a, another click, and it'll be down to two. So you never know quite how many stations you should be getting anyway. Unless you just kind of go around and click at every stop, uh, you don't know whether you're getting the stations and uh, whether they're they're all coming in as they should. So this has been, and this particular location is very interesting because uh, we are between uh, we're in Sarasota between Tampa and Sarasota, and there are stations apparently uh, at a number of locations around us. Because as I rotate the antenna, I get a different set of stations, and literally. One one click of the rotation and i get nothing and this has been quite frustrating on occasion
1: so where do you put this signal meter
0: so the one that's uh, this is available from camping world but it is made by wine garden so it's probably available to other places but i've been waiting to talk about this and i've wanted to have a real signal meter now the nice thing about this one is is that it replaces that box that, uh, yeah, the controller on the wall. If you have a trailer, you probably have a box on the wall, and this just pops right in there and it provides the power for the antenna as well as uh, adding a nice two-signal meter. Now, I don't have one because in the motorhome, we don't need. It doesn't, it doesn't fit because it fits in a box, and so we're waiting for the next iteration of this, and that will have a standalone piece that uh, will hook up to our our distribution box. So I haven't actually had a chance to test it, but, boy, does it look cool. And, of course, it's digital.
1: And in a place like we are now where the, where the signals are coming from a variety of different places, you will still have to move it depending on what channel you want to watch. Is that correct?
0: Well, you'll be able to see where the signals are located on your on the rotation, so I assume that it has a, a channel and then the signal level. that's what the two meter readings are mm-hmm. So you'll be able to see which channels you know you can tune in a channel and see which ones you want and check to see how strong the signal is. Problem solved. Problem solved. And if you get one, please tell me how it works because uh, I would like to see it. And this is the first time I've seen a signal meter of this kind. Um, They've had signal meters before, but they've been just kind of generic that picks up uh, anything in that frequency range, which is not always that valuable
1: yes we've talked to the uh, salesman who made this sound like actually um, the product manager. as good as sliced bread uh, but we would like to hear a product I've been review dealing from with, the I've field been,
0: yes i've asked him several questions uh, via email and he was nice enough to send us this uh, the brochure and things and said that we could get one but uh, the motorhome uh, has uh, is delayed a bit in in the production so that'll be a fun project and that's called the Sensar pro tv signal meter and I will include the the listing in the show notes, as usual. Um, the next thing we want to talk about is the RV fuse switch. These are fascinating things I've got here for you today. Don't you think? Oh, yes. <laughs> now, you know, our car, when we we have a Jeep Liberty that we tow, and... Basically, you just put it into neutral. You put both the transfer case and the transmission into neutral, and uh, away you go. You're ready to tow. But a lot of cars have to have a fuse removed. And some of them, particularly the Cadillac apparently, has to have three fuses removed. Kind of a pain. And fuse panels uh, are only designed for 50 to 100 uh, Pluggings and unpluggings. Then they break. Well, they start to come loose, and then the fuse doesn't stay in, and then that's they... logical. In, a, in the lifetime of a car, for you to replace a fuse fifty times would be outrageous. So, I mean, that's not an unreasonable unreasonable specification.
1: And then you wouldn't be able to drive the car. Well,
0: well, I don't know exactly what happens. What the, what happens when you take the fuses out? Uh, what stops? probably be able to drive it but lights wouldn't electrical system something wouldn't happen and so for you to as an rv for every time you want to tow your vehicle you have to go in there and pull out the fuses not only is this a pain in the neck but it also is going to cause you long-term problems. so there's a company that has made and this comes from rv-partsplus.com which is a new device which you plug into the fuse spot on the fuse panel and then it has a switch which disengages the fuse
1: so you would need three of these if you had three fuses?
0: Uh, well, in actuality, you'd need two because they have one, many cars apparently have two fuses that need to be removed. And they have one that has a dual pigtail on it and a switch that does two, two fuses simultaneously. So if you take a look at the picture, you'll see the red end goes into the fuse box. You then take the fuse out and put it into the, this, the, the line here. And then there's a switch which you mount on the outside of the fuse panel someplace that's convenient for you to to hit. Another problem solved. Another problem solved. So that uh, those are about $40, and it really uh, would help you um, if you are one of those people who has a car that has to have fuses removed. But tell us why. Why do you have to have your fuses removed? So the bottom line is buy a Jeep. <laughs> you don't have to mess around with that.
1: Unsolicited testimonial.
0: Uh-huh. Now build a wireless signal booster for your rv this is kind of a techie article but if you are interested in boondocking or you have trouble with your wi-fi signal the author of this article uh, tells you about uh, buying a an antenna for your for your wi-fi and also tells you about something else which is a little bit more esoteric but actually is quite valuable and that's turning a wireless router into a repeater now, I'm not going to really explain this here, but basically what happens is, is that the router that you buy, you put it into repeater mode, put an antenna on it, and it will take the weak uh, the weak Wi-Fi signal and amplify it so that multiple computers in your coach can use the signal. If you just put an antenna on the laptop's Wi-Fi, it will increase the signal for that laptop, but not for the other laptops or other computers that you have in your in your vehicle.
1: So this would be useful in campgrounds like where we are now, where our Wi-Fi signal from the campground is oh, very weak. Damn, I should have tried it, shouldn't I? Oh, we have one. No. <laughs> no we,
0: i should have gone out and bought one and tried it we need it but we have the satellite so we don't really need it we've been using our satellite connection for most of the wi-fi but this is a, yeah this is a good example we're paying a lot of money for this park and we are kind of on the fringe of their wi-fi even though they have 28 wi-fi connections in the park
1: we're, uh, in, a bad spot. we're in
0: a bad spot to actually pick up the wi-fi so this would probably be exactly what we would need and maybe by next time i will have tried it Another problem solved. Another problem solved. Boy, is this a great day. We've talked before about tires, and there's another very, quite a good article I thought that uh, deals with Are your tires out of date? And from having watched. Video. Well, actually, it was just still pictures of a Class A motorhome that had almost gone off a bridge as a result of a front tire blowing out. I think it's important and incumbent upon all of us. And we talked to some friends who are getting off the. Oh, the interview that we're going that you're going to be hearing a little bit later on. The one of the reasons they're getting off the road is because they had a blowout in their in their RV and they didn't uh, feel safe anymore. So tires are a big issue and one of the biggest issues with rv tires is is the fact that they get too old and sun and weather and things causes them to deteriorate especially being that 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 you are going to let your rv sit for six months and not roll at all and that you probably don't have enough miles on it to really replace the tires as you recall last year when i replaced the tires on ours we only had thirty-five thousand miles on them
1: And it was very expensive.
0: And it's very expensive. And when tires look okay, you say, well, I'm not going to replace those tires. But you need to check the date uh, your tires were manufactured. And if they're more than seven years old, it's time to replace them regardless of the miles.
1: And no matter how expensive they are, you want to be safe.
0: Yes, absolutely. And that's uh, a word to the wise from the RV navigators. Um, But the way you tell how old your tires are is by looking at the dot code on the side
1: so this article tells you how to decipher that secret the, code
0: yes and there's a little picture there which has uh the, the sample of the code and basically the code on the side of the tire tells you the week it's a four-digit code telling you the week and the year that the tire was manufactured now when i bought our tires i made sure that they had been manufactured within the last two months of um before i had them installed
1: because sometimes tires lay around on our yeah, dealer's exactly, shelves
0: exactly and when you buy new tires you want to make sure especially for an rv because you're going to be probably leaving them on the rv for a good long time you want to make sure that they're as new and fresh as possible therefore you want to uh, check that code before the dealer puts them on make sure that they're new And that they were manufactured recently. So, this article gives you a nice, uh, easy to understand explanation of why you want to uh, check out your tires. So that's at rvlife.com, and I, of course, will put the link to that on the website, which always takes me a couple of extra days. So some of you send me emails saying that the web page is not there, and I know that, but it takes me a couple of days to get it up. uh, No, let's see. How do I want to word that? It takes me a few extra days to get the website posted. Much better.
1: (laughs) As she looks at me in horror. Okay. Trailer chick. Um, this article says that women are looking for ways to live a much more balanced life. With an estimated 8.5 million RV owners in the U.S., it helps to move what was once a perception of a man's toy into a versatile option for women with limitless design opportunities. Ooh, design opportunities. So just like uh, video games no longer are totally the male purview, that's the case for RVing as well. And um, a woman named Sheila Johnson has Started to create an online magazine for the design and creative side of RVing, and it's called Trailer Chicks. So that kind of tells you who she's.
0: Chix.
1: That kind of tells you who she's appealing to. And uh, from my brief um, overview of this site, she has a, a variety of different articles and links to blogs, uh, kind of exploring the RVing world from the women's point of view.
0: Now we know that we all die. And that if we are a ardent RVer, you may want to invest in this next option.
1: How about being buried in an Airstream (laughs) coffin? (laughs) When I first saw this, I thought somebody was getting buried in their Airstream, which would be a very expensive coffin, to yes, say indeed, the
0: least. But no.
1: Apparently in Ghana, uh, the tradition for the funerals is to uh, bury your loved one in a significantly shaped or colored coffin. And so we'll show you a link on the website of someone ha- who has decided to get their coffin built out of wood, looking remarkably like an Airstream. So you can rest in, rest
0: in peace in your Airstream.
1: And travel f- through your... Eternity
0: and be remembered. There's pictures of Uncle Ken in his RV as he's put into the ground, and that will be the last thing people remember.
1: We got another humorous link from a reader named Wally, who is with Airstream Motorhome, and he put us onto an RV conversion that is on a old Buick. It's called the Sham Rockaway, Rockaway, and it's for sale. Uh, It has eight. Eight axles, eight no, wheels, eight, eight wheels, eight
0: wheels. Two two axles in the front and two in the back, and it looks obviously it's a homemade sort of thing. But it apparently is fairly famous.
1: And Likely, you are not interested in purchasing no. it, but you should go online and take a look at the picture. The picture it's quite says, amazing,
0: and it's kind of in dilapidated shape. And if you'd like to work on the restoration, apparently they're going to be doing that. So now I think we will go on to our interview. Yes, we have an interview this month.
1: No more listening to us. Oh,
0: too bad, too bad. Oh, you're going to get to listen to us, but you're going to have some other folks giving their uh, take on RVing
1: so now we'd like you to listen to our brand new friends uh, bob and linda who feel like old friends because after we've been reading one another's blogs we feel like we kind of know each other much better than we really do
0: and they have an interesting blog of their travels they have kind of a unique take on things because uh, as you're going to find out they started off uh, very raw in the rving field and they are ending up their rving experiences in the next year or so um because they want to get off the road and that's what's interesting about this interview uh, their blog is
1: at mytripjournal.com, uh, where I keep my blog as well, slash slow gypsy RVing. R-V-I-N-G on the end. So um, I would especially recommend reading the beginning of their blog if you are brand new to RVing and thinking about um, making that big step. And uh, along the way, they've had a lot of interesting adventures all over the world, which is one of the things that brought us together. And they write in a very enjoyable way and post a lot of pictures, and you might want to take a look. Well, dear listeners, I have a feeling that you're getting tired of listening to the RV Navigator and his (laughs) co-pilot. So we thought we'd give you a change of pace to and uh, have spent a little time interviewing Bob and Linda. We met one another in a very modern 21st century way uh, through our blogs and Bob and Linda are about the only couple that I know of who like to RV and like to travel internationally as much as we do so that gave us a lot in common. And we've talked to couples before that have been uh, full-timing in RVs or thinking about doing it, but Bob and Linda are the first couple we've met that have been doing full-timing and are thinking about getting off the road. So we thought this would give you a different perspective on the whole issue of the RV lifestyle. So I suppose it would be good to start with you telling us a little bit about uh, your background and how you started RVing full-time.
2: Back in two thousand. Seven. We were living in Chattanooga, Tennessee. We had moved there, sort of a retirement downsizing from Washington D.C. and to a slower pace of life. And we were on the road about six months before we started the RV. On the road, meaning we were out traveling uh, in a car. In a car. In Ooh. a car. And, <coughs> and, and, packing
3: a suitcase. And packing a suitcase. a suitcase.
2: And we stayed. In 26 days, we stayed in 13 different places with Ouch. friends, family, hotel. Also, at that time, we had been in Chattanooga for about five years.
3: Boring.
2: <laughs> and we, <laughs> with all due respect to our friends in Chattanooga, we we sort of didn't fit into the, the culture of, of the area and mm-hmm. found the city a little too small and, and too confining. And we had met Howard and Linda Payne. We met them in... 2005 Five. Uh, down in Gulf Shores, Alabama oh. and it was their maiden voyage and oh. uh,
3: three months on the road they'd been Uh
2: huh. and Linda had seen something in the Lin, this Linda had seen something in the paper about a bird banding thing at a uh-huh. state park and wanted to go and Linda Payne, Payne. was there doing things and she Met us. That's
0: amazing, isn't it? That yes. you got together.
2: <laughs> and uh, and then we met Howard and Linda there, and found out that they lived in a fifth wheel.
3: We said what? Fifth ha- wheel.
2: <laughs> and this was in 2002. You didn't. Know, 2005. 2005. You didn't know what I think a fifth wheel knew, was. I think we knew knew what it was then, but, but I, we had never been in a fifth wheel. Uh-huh. No,
3: I didn't know what a fifth wheel was. I know what a coach was. Okay. But I'd never heard uh-huh. of a fifth uh-huh. wheel.
2: I was curious about what was a fifth wheel and their decision yeah. as. 40-somethings. Were, I guess they yeah. were both about 40 at that time. Yeah. Considerably uh,
1: younger than we are. Yes. <laughs> they're
2: much older than that now. <laughs> right, <laughs> Howard? Uh, so we went and bought some shrimp and came over and visited that night. Uh-huh. Howard started telling their whole story, which some of you people out there have heard. Um, yes,
0: yes. They We interviewed them, I think, in
2: 2006. But then we said, why don't we buy an RV and do sure. that for a while, and in the process commit at least for commit for a couple of years and in the process find out where we might want to settle. Sure. That's a great idea.
3: And, and so, you'd never RV'd before. No. We,
2: we had camped? never RV'd. I've I
3: camped in uh-huh. a tent in my other life. Yeah, Mary. but that's
0: yeah, but that's a I whole had, different experience. I had
2: oh, yeah. camped as a boy. Roughing it for me it was yeah. staying at a Marriott courtyard. <laughs> uh so uh So
1: this was all really new to you and you had a lot to learn.
3: Yeah. <laughs> well, what's a dooley, what's a fifth wheel, you know? All the yeah. lingo. And we were driving up to the dealer, and I was talking to my son, and he said, those are words I never thought I'd hear my mom say. We're yep. at the RV dealer. I'll call you back. <laughs> 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 so it was pretty shocking to everybody that we knew that we had, you know. My sister lives in the, in the Rio Grande Valley, and they bought a house down there, a mobile home. I said, oh, my sister's in a trailer. I thought that was terrible. <laughs> and now here you are. And now here I am, trailer trash.
1: So what did you do to make the adjustment a little easier for yourself since it was such a big change? Well,
2: We're I still working that, on was that. Was it just learning by doing? It was just yes. learning by doing. You know, it was but just... how did you decide a fifth wheel?
3: I think because having been in Howard and Linda's uh-huh. and the spaciousness of the fifth wheel, if you're going to uh-huh. live in it and it, it would be our home, and the only other coach we'd been in was Jim and Pat's, which was uh, an older coach. And so we saw Lyndon Howard's, and it just, you know, looked sort of like home.
2: Well, the other reason was when I looked the at the amenities of this, this fifth wheel in particular, but uh-huh. others that we saw, and getting a comparable... Uh, well, let's just, what do you have? This is a carry light... Uh, Emerald Edition, which means there was a package of uh-huh, extras. Uh-huh. Um, and how long is it? It's 37 feet long. Uh, and it's a 2008 model. Four slides. Five. Five slides. Five slides. We loved the floor plan because of the the desk and TV area there, because mm-hmm. we're both are on the computer and we're doing our genealogies, and I do some other writing. The thing was that we felt like we could get a fifth wheel and a truck for much less money and get comparable amenities and space in our living space than we could on a motor coach. Going back to the question of what did we do to adjust, we really didn't. It was sort of like, how do you learn how to swim? You get in the water and you swim. Having never had a truck, never (laughs) gone camping, and I don't do maintenance. We just said, let's do it. We wanted to make a change and... Uh, within five months, so you months, went into a dealer and bought. We we looked online. Uh-huh. We went. We actually only went to. Two, well, we went to three we asked dealers. asked
3: Howard which ones he would recommend.
2: Uh-huh. Yeah, we asked Howard if you were buying another fifth wheel. Once we de- uh-huh. decided.
3: No, we first asked him the same old question: fifth wheel or a coach? Uh-huh. And he came back with this snotty little reply. Well, most elderly people get a coach. Well, that did it for me. I wasn't about to get a coach.
2: (laughs) But we looked at some coaches. um, And again, that was the the price thing. uh, That was probably the biggest difference. And then there was the notion that uh, if something goes wrong with your motor coach, <laughs> that you lose right. your home. Mm-hmm. Well, we've had this rig in the shop <laughs> exactly. as much or no more difference. than any. Exactly. So it doesn't really matter. But,
0: but that's an, uh, a factor which many people think is important. Yes. But in retrospect, it is not a factor really. No. no and almost is... all repair facilities have something. They either have a deal with a with a local hotel, or they let you live in it at night while they work on it during the
2: day, or. You know
0: they have some sort of
2: deals yeah they do that i mean even at lazy days where, yeah. where before we could have stayed in it overnight exactly but i don't want to, to stay in a garage uh-huh. so i'd rather, much <laughs> no, rather but stay. i mean they
0: have that as an option right. if, yes if they that's do. a worry to folks
2: <laughs> emailed howard and said if you were buying another fifth wheel uh-huh. what manufacturers would you consider based upon what you know now and you couldn't buy the rig that uh-huh, you have uh-huh. and he came up with several names carriage being one double tree being one uh, New being are. one, uh, and maybe there was one or two other. And then our friends had a Newmar, we liked a lot. The problem was the nearest Newmar dealer that sold fifth wheels was 350 miles away uh-huh. from where we lived, and we didn't want to have to deal with that. So we fundamentally looked at Carriage and Double Tree, and we liked this floor plan the best. So we decided to to buy this. You bought it off the lot. We ordered it. Uh, There was a 2007 there that they were selling, so we had some notion of it, and we went to the factory. Um,
3: It was a small Uh mom-and-pop
2: dealer. Yeah, this was in Alabama. Dealer. It was Uh close by to us, so we went there, and the sales tax was much cheaper Uh in Alabama than in Tennessee to buy the truck and so forth. So we. We bought it there, and we had an address there with oh, friends okay. and all that okay. kind of thing. Yeah.
1: And as I recall from your blog, your first move was just to live in this beautiful coach for a while and not fifth wheel and not move around, not tow it anywhere.
2: When we first got this, <laughs> we didn't have the truck yet, uh-huh. and so they towed it. Someplace they some... they put it in a state park, DeSoto uh-huh. State Park in Alabama, uh-huh. which was quite nice. Yeah, but uh, we learned at the very beginning. We uh, left the gray tank closed uh, because too the walk-around information, as, yeah. as you it's know. too much to take well, they, they give Especially you
1: Especially when it's all new.
2: Yeah. yeah. Too much information, and we didn't open the gray tank, and water was running out. Propane we've learned as leaking. we've gone on. The first time I ever pulled anything with a truck was when I pulled this rig. When the truck finally came, we moved to another park in uh, Gaston, Alabama, uh-huh. and we lived in it for a month. In yeah. January. <laughs> In January? No, December. Well, December, yeah. December. It's a little warmer. We so, learned things. Some of it was our mistakes. And so so some
1: of this must have been stressful for somebody who doesn't like to tinker and fix things. And...
2: Well, it was so, for me at that time, it was just so new and I was so committed to the adventure uh-huh. that it didn't bother me a whole lot. I, you know, I get frustrated with it, but... Uh, The other idea of staying in Gadsden was Uh, we were within striking distance of the dealer, and they would send one of their technicians out to fix things you
1: know and i have to add that these little leaks and things that you endured i hear about them a lot from a lot of new rig owners i don't think that's that uncommon which is making me glad that that i bought a used rig where all those little leaks and things Ah. were already repaired which is something else to think about that i didn't know Uh because we'd always bought new before we have the coach that we have now
3: Melinda well, would take a picture of Howard with a tool in his hand because Howard didn't do things either. So I thought, hey, we can do that then.
2: One of the things I clearly didn't think about was all the maintenance stuff. I figured you'd buy it, you'd buy it new, you'd buy a quality rig. You would have some maintenance, but it wouldn't be nearly as much so as... So you've
0: been disappointed here. in that aspect. Shocked.
2: Shocked. shocked, yes.
0: I mean, because from my perspective, you buying a three year old coach, we've had very little problems with well, it. Well, almost none that we haven't caused ourselves. <laughs> well, I mean, if you let the great tank right. overflow, it's yeah. that's
1: not... that's your fault.
2: Yeah, it was January of 2008 when we decided to embark on our first trip. The first big problem was we couldn't get it hitched. For some reason oh, we really? couldn't get it hitched well i didn't know how a hitch worked even some guy tried to help us and finally one of the guys from the dealer came down and uh-huh. hitched us up Ooh. hitching now is one of the easiest oh things yeah i do. And i always like the fifth wheel hitch. yeah i mean i can hitch in <laughs> yeah. five minutes and it, you know, angles and all by myself but just yeah, right. <laughs>
1: things are easy once you
2: know that's right yes. so anyhow we decided we were going to go down to the rio grande valley partly to show our new lifestyle to uh-huh, uh-huh. Linda's sister and her husband. We are also going to do some sightseeing, like in Cajun country in new uh-huh. or- near New Orleans and all that kind of stuff. The first trip out, we drove, and we decided we're just going to stop for the night at a Walmart in Mississippi. So anyhow, we pull off the interstate, and all of a sudden there's a bing, and on the little readout in the truck, it says... Trailer disconnected. Ah, how could Talk that? about a oh, greeting yeah. to a novice. I, scared.
3: Oh, <laughs> I turned around and I said, "It's still there."
2: <laughs> and we're on the phone to the dealer and all kinds of things. Well, it, it the electric plug yeah, plug it would, had come yeah. loose, yeah. and they had never really told me how to make sure that it would oh. stay in tight. We didn't and know you. We it was didn't a learn. Latch on the cover. Yeah. And but we not lear- know you don't know. No, right. And we didn't learn about that until. We brought it back, and that was a couple months later. Uh But then we get to Lafayette, where we're going to park and meet some British friends who RV over here for three years. Uh We pulled into the RV park, and the big slide here behind me wouldn't come out. Uh Now, this is the biggest slide in the living area, and without it coming out, the only way to get back to the living room is to To climb over, over the sink. So we called Good Sam. They sent somebody out. They cranked it out, said our, the motor was fried. fried. The first time you... The oh. first time we had... Well, we had opened it, yeah, obviously, yeah, I mean, when we had yeah, lived in yeah. it, but the first time five out. Five Fortunately, we went to see Howard and Linda in Clute, Texas. It was our next stop, uh-huh. and there was a a, dealer. a carriage dealer there, uh-huh. so we went on, but we had to... Have good Sam send somebody out crank. and crank it out. Oh. That's that's crank it out and crank mouth. it back in when we were, we were done. So that was the start of a long series of <laughs> maintenance issues and that, a learning curve for you. And a le- big very, learning
3: curve, very
2: mm-hmm. high on the learning curve. But we we weren't particularly discouraged then.
3: No, you
2: know it was a matter of well, this is it, something this, we have to learn. Yeah, this is either part of the deal or it's. A unique situation. We won't have other problems down the road, but we have.
1: So uh, these little mishaps that you have with the rig continued throughout the entire time you've owned it?
2: (laughs) Well, there's always something.
3: Uh It's like, I say, it's like pulling a 3.5 earthquake behind you Uh going down the road. That's true. You know, you're tightening screws every few months when you travel. You get out and you tighten all the little screws.
2: So that that has been an ongoing theme, and that would certainly be part of the explanation of why we are considering giving it well, up. It was as the blowout just,
3: I think that we had uh, not too long ago that sort of broke fixed the camel's me. back? Yeah.
0: So where all of you been? Let's talk about some of the positive
2: things. <laughs> uh, well, we've been mostly in the West. We've we've Texas,
3: Arizona, Washington State was our. Uh, most uh-huh. memorable experience we love the park in yeah. uh anacortes washington we enjoyed that area
2: yeah after that trip so you put quite a few miles on it w- well we put probably about 13 or 14,000 miles on the rig i know that i have 51,000 on the truck but that's mm-hmm. our vehicle so we decided we would go out to colorado
1: and that's one of the nice things about the RVing life is you can kind of make up, make it up as you go along and change your itinerary depending on what's happening and the weather reports and uh-huh. where people are that you want to go visit. Yeah, that's And that's, that's one true. of the things that I love about this lifestyle.
2: Yes, that's true.
0: So three things that you like about the RVing lifestyle.
2: I like the flexibility. The flexibility to be able to move about. Mm-hmm. We have largely followed the weather so that our summers have Naturally. been up up north or in the coolers, climates, because I don't like a lot of heat. Mm-hmm. And our winters have been, we've spent a couple of months in South Texas. We've spent five months less winter in Arizona, and we're spending three or four months here in Florida.
3: I like having gotten rid of stuff.
0: Oh, really? You like that?
3: Yeah. Uh-huh. Because we had to get rid of my mother's stuff. Uh-huh you know, when she moved into a assisted living and all that kind of stuff. And I didn't want my kids to have to do that, my son, mm-hmm. to have to do that. And so as a result, they've got most of it anyway now. But <laughs> <laughs> They just got it a little sooner and, than would have otherwise.
0: That, and you couldn't have done that if you hadn't of RV'd? Uh,
3: mm, you wouldn't have had the reason? No, I wouldn't have had the reason. Uh-huh. But I would go through the house and I'd open a drawer and i think, when was the last time I ever used that? So it was a good excuse to get rid of stuff.
2: Yeah, and I we still have stuff, some stuff with us yeah. that we haven't used. A storage since
0: locker someplace? No,
3: no. It's, with
0: it's, it's, no, with no I mean, do you have a storage locker someplace? No. No, no really
2: have,
1: they're, they're children's homes. Uh, are this, our our yeah, storage yeah. locker
2: <laughs> is Linda's son's home in Fayetteville, G- Georgia. Georgia. Three, the uh, other big reason I like this lifestyle is it helps us support our international travel addiction. Because? Because it is so inexpensive. <coughs> Traveling in the RV, and depending on where you stay, and paying for fuel on a diesel truck as we have, or a motor coach and all of that, can get expensive, certainly. But when yeah. we leave to go on international travel, for example, yeah. if we want to go to Europe, we put this in storage, and it's relatively Free. inexpensive, yeah. Uh, we don't have any property tax we're paying. We don't have any mortgages we're paying. We don't have any preventative maintenance at, mm-hmm. at our house or anything else. Right, right. Essentially,
0: you don't have to rely on anybody to do
2: anything. And to since mow the we're, lawn, mow mm-hmm. the lawn or anything, yeah. right? Shovel we're, snow. Since we're people who are lucky enough to have no debt, our fixed costs when we travel go down to a couple hundred dollars. Yeah, you know yeah. our. Annual insurance and the storage fee, yeah, and yeah. basically that's it. We turn off our cell phones. We turn off. We may rent another one when we go, but we, we turn it off. We turn off our internet access. We turn off our yeah, yeah. our dish television and all that kind of yeah. thing. And that's
0: interesting that that you use RVing to supplement or to make other types of
2: travel
1: more possible. affordable possible.
2: Yeah, and our mm. and our next phase uh-huh. we will do that. In spades, because okay. we will have a quote permanent yeah. address, a permanent site, uh-huh. um, and our fixed costs will be under three hundred dollars a month while we're gone. Three reasons why you're getting off the road. One is there's just always something to do with the with the rig to fix Ma- maintenance, but you're keeping and, the rig
3: and it exactly. It may be like we you, thought no,
0: let's explain. You're you're coming off the road and you're buying a a permanent Watch. campsite where you're gonna park your R V permanently. And,
2: and, and live we're in gonna it. live in it in because car. it's very comfortable right. and So it's not the living in it that's the problem. It's no, but it's why the is the repairs. maintenance gonna go down?
3: Well, exactly.
2: <laughs> the assumption is that
3: when you don't pull it you won't have as much you're not shaking uh-huh. it down the road.
0: But your light bulbs are still going to burn out. Exactly. That's, that's so true. So we may
3: find that it's like, uh, well, buy a fifth wheel, you won't have all that maintenance versus a coach. Uh-huh. But that's not the truth. It may be the same thing, parking it. Okay. With so f-
0: one reason, reason is find. maintenance. I can understand that. Two?
2: Well, one of the biggest reasons is that we'll have a home base uh-huh. and uh, More permanent. very low cost and... Even when we live there, after we make our initial investment, our fixed costs for the month, mm-hmm, other than uh-huh. telephone and Internet, uh-huh. will be under $300 a month, uh-huh. which Can't means that. that while we're living there, given our income, which is comfortable, uh-huh. we will be able to save yes. a good bit more so that when we travel... So once we,
0: again, we're, you're, you're using the RV to absolutely help finance... Support the, so you're not really dissatisfied with making your original decision to buy the coach and no. to and to use it as a vehicle home. as a home as a home, but you're kind of dissatisfied with it as a travel experience.
2: Yeah, there's another reason for me Good. is I don't have a great curiosity of seeing the nooks and crannies oh. of the United States. Uh-huh. Part of that is that I've been in virtually every state at some time or another right, right. for more than just a stop over at an airport uh-huh. or uh-huh. or driving through so I don't, that you
0: don't have the need to see the rest of the United States cuz you've done it
2: I don't have to see well, the nooks and crannies I've seen virtually all of the uh-huh. things in the United States that he wants that, that want to I see. want to see uh-huh. the
1: things that are well, that on your sense. bucket list <laughs> right
2: yeah and 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 anything else in the US that might be interesting uh-huh. to see that I don't know about they are way down my list compared to the places, places in right. Europe uh-huh. and other parts of the world that I really want to uh-huh, see uh-huh. while I am able to do that. Okay. And okay. one of the things about seeing some of those places, one one of the things that many RVers love is to boondock out in the middle of uh-huh. the wilderness. Uh-huh. I don't really care to do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I, that, that I want my shower. Yeah. I want my toilet. And you want to you be want... able to use
0: as much water as you want.
2: <laughs> yes. Now, on our trip down here was the first time when this was in the shop, the first time in three-plus years that I've ever taken a shower in, in a park, uh-huh. in one of the showers in the park, uh-huh. or used their toilet facilities.
0: Uh-huh. So it sounds to me like you really are happy with the coach. And that you're just kind of done with the traveling lifestyle, and that in that whether you bought a Class A or a travel trailer or a fifth wheel originally, you would be in the same position now.
2: Most most likely, would you agree, Linda? Yeah,
3: I think so. Uh, I'm looking forward to a more permanent uh, base of people that you can uh-huh. associate with and, and be get to know with better. And, uh, so
0: tell us what the next phase is. The next phase is... It's
3: getting it in one piece from here <laughs> to the West Coast. From
0: Florida. <laughs> to California. Florida, to
2: California. When we were in Arizona last winter, where we spent winter, the winter there, five months, we were starting to think and talk about what is next. We're getting to the point of of thinking about getting off the road. One of our priorities was to go and rent an apartment or a condo somewhere Mm -hmm. uh, in Portland, Oregon was high on our list and lived there for a year because we do like the Pacific Northwest. We've never lived through the winters and the wet and the cold and all that but it's
3: always been beautiful when we've yeah, been anywhere yeah, yeah. but
2: even we in know off it, right. season we've always had pretty good weather up there and we loved the summer we spent Cortis. in Anacortes mm-hmm. Washington yeah, which I is up bet. in that area we ask ourselves could we live in an RV park our experience to date was probably not we don't engage in many of the activities uh-huh. that or go on we don't play bingo we don't do and there's nothing wrong with those things No, They're but just it's not just for not you. not yeah. what we do so we were leaving Arizona and we asked that question and I looked on the internet we are escapee members uh-huh. and one of the things it's all
0: good RVers should be uh-huh.
2: absolutely well one of the one of the things that we liked about some of their parks their co-op parks there's 11 of them across uh-huh. the country and we had visited one up in in Washington state and we uh-huh. learned you buy into the park, park, into the co-op, and you get assigned a site. Uh-huh. Now you can move around as uh-huh, other sites uh-huh. available once you're in there. Sure. But uh, you put so many dollars down. Uh, I've seen them as low as $6,000 uh-huh. up to the one we're buying into is a little over 30000 Once you buy, you buy in, then you only pay a maintenance fee. That's and cool. if you leave, you get your money back. Yeah. It doesn't uh-huh. earn anything, yeah, but, but you get, you the, get your it, money yeah, yeah. money back. So yeah. it's
1: really quite risk-free.
2: Yes, it is risk-free. And the monthly st- up in Washington State at Coho Park, I guess it is, was only $75 a month. The maintenance fee that we pay out there will be 250 bucks a month. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And that includes water and sewer. Wow. So the only thing extra we pay is yeah. electric. So when we were leaving Arizona, we decided we don't really fit into living in RV sure. parks, but this one seemed a little different, and we went out and stayed three weeks. The sites are bigger. They're not cookie-cutters side by uh-huh. side. Um, there's a beautiful clubhouse and Olympic swimming, swimming pool. pool. Wow. Uh, it's Amazing. in the hills and the rocks, so it's built into uh-huh. into the landscape.
3: It's a beautiful area. It's 17 miles from Temecula. Uh-huh.
2: Yes, and, so. you know, so Temecula... Has all the shopping needs uh-huh, that we uh-huh. could possibly want on a day to day basis. And
1: uh, and I remember wonderful vineyards all over that. Yes, area, and, yes.
2: And we met a whole bunch of people there, unlike most places, people like all of us who have done a lot of international travel uh-huh. and do international uh-huh. travel. Yeah, yes. something in common with people that yeah. we didn't normally find. find in most RV parks. Uh-huh.
1: So it sounds like the
3: perfect solution for the next phase of your life.
2: Yeah, so when it we it may were, not
3: be perfect. I mean, there's nothing perfect out there anywhere, but it is going to be the next phase of our life. Have we're you shipping.
2: actually got a site at this? Not yet. Were we? Uh, the waiting list was much uh-huh. shorter in California. That seems be, strange. <laughs> well, because it's more much more, more expensive. More
3: expensive. Well, we started. Let me back up. We started. We were number ninety-one uh-huh. on the waiting list. And the last time we checked a couple of weeks ago, we were down to 36. Uh-huh. So The uh,
2: prediction is we, we'll be offered a site by late May or June. Great. But uh, you will so have you, to
0: become residents
2: of no, California. No, we do not have to become no. residents of California. Not ever? That won't be your main. Not papers? under. As long as we're living in that park in this RV, and this RV is mobile, really? the state doesn't bother you out there. Huh. M- nearly everybody so out there who has come from someplace uh-huh. else, maintains whatever their residence is. other address. So we'll be in California, but we won't become residents unless we... Decide to.
0: Well, I can see um, we're going to have to put you on our on our itinerary <laughs> yes, <that's> to see <laughs> how this after May... Because <laughs> yeah. we'll want to
1: we hear how this th- story yeah, ends and like how it turns out.
2: The general rule of thumb that I'm thinking about is we'll live there 6 months of the year and we'll travel internationally yeah. or some locally to see our kids and, and friends in other parts of the country. We'll travel for 6 months.
3: Back to a suitcase. <laughs>
0: well, it sounds like it sounds like a great lifestyle and I'm uh, and a envious good plan.
3: Well, I don't know if we said early on though how between July when we decided to go full time We were in our rig, by sold the house in October to the first person that looked at it, and uh, we were in the rig in November. Yeah,
2: Yeah, we were on the road, like, for Fourth of July weekend of 2007, Uh and we were in our rig November 5th with our house sold and our stuff gone. Wow. You know, a lot of people that we've heard about and heard from... Who are thinking about becoming full-timers yeah. will take Research two or three years, years well, researching yeah. it we did the whole thing in five months so
0: in retrospect you do it again
2: absolutely yeah absolutely it's been a great adventure two adults who at that time had been married like seven years but are older eight, 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 <laughs> eight <laughs> or we are elderly yes yeah? <laughs> you know we don't have any space issues yeah. living in this small space. We we get along fine. The living part has been great, and since we can't get anywhere near what we paid for this, no. uh, we figure, well, let's live in it, live this cheap lifestyle, yeah. get all of our international traveling done while we are physically yeah. able. Yeah. Good idea. Or while we still want to do it. Yep. And then uh, after that, who knows? Yep, I agree. Thanks, okay. Snuff, a lot for
3: talking to us and sharing right. your adventures with us. And Good we- luck, you folks out there that are going to start this. Go for it. Quite a with story. Gusto. <laughs>
1: So we thank Bob and Linda very yes. much for spending the day with us. And Ken owes a special thanks to Linda <laughs> because she made him some cornbread in her new waterless cookware, which she bought at the Tampa Super Show.
0: Waterless cookware.
1: If you go to an RV rally with any vendor pool at all, you will also see this high-priced stuff for sale. They haven't and, featured
0: it on the blo- on the.
1: Judging by the cornbread, it was money well spent.
0: But the RV Navigator hasn't had any information about the waterless cookware.
1: I thought it was out of my price range.
0: But does it work?
1: Well, from what you said about her cornbread. Great cornbread.
0: But cornbread in a frying pan? Is that what that was?
1: Yeah, yeah, she baked it in the frying pan.
0: Well, I think we need to feature waterless...
1: Linda,
0: you need to give us a review of the waterless cookware. We can't afford it, but if you've got it, let us tell us how it works. Anyway, um, with that, we will uh, start up the old engine, and we'll be heading down to a campground near you in the not-too-distant future.
1: Thanks for spending some time with us today. Talk to you soon.